Beathard sets up deep in the pocket. Goes down the field for Smith. Fifty-six yarder. It's got no. Does not have the leg. And Chris Davis takes it in the back of the end zone. He'll run it out to the 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, 45. There goes Davis. Oh my God! Davis is going to run it all the way back. Auburn's going to win the football game. Don't miss a thing from the world of college football. Stay right here for College Gridiron on WFUV Sports. Welcome to a special edition of College Gridiron. Obviously, last week we had our conclusive episode for this season's College Gridiron, but a lot of big news swirling around college football. As soon as the triple zeros hit that scoreboard after the Michigan-Washington National Championship game, the biggest news that we're probably going to get in college football for quite some time, I don't really know what would outdo it, but Nick Saban, he announced his, his abrupt retirement as head coach, 17 years there over in Alabama and 28 in total as a head coach at the FCS level. Lots to unpack, especially with Saban. Where does Alabama go? What does their recruiting process look like? What does Saban's replacement, also Kalen Dubor, former Washington's head coach, did a lot of great work over in Washington. Now going to bring that legacy over to quite the tradition in Alabama. But lots to unpack in this special College Great Iron Edition. I'm with Merrick Rhodes and Brendan Shorey. I'm, of course, Will Talent. Guys, how are you guys doing today? Yeah, I mean, just, just finished up the week. Done with classes. Time for the weekend. Uh, finally back up at school. Done, done being at home. It's starting to get a little boring at the end. So I really... I'm I'm happy with with where I'm at. I I can't complain, and and now I get to talk some college football with you guys. So so it's a good day to be uh to be up here. Yeah, now you know snow's coming down a little bit today. Uh, it's it's not really sticking outside, but but uh, it was a nice visual as you're as you're walking to classes, getting back into the swing of things. But yeah, it's it's good to be talking college football. Probably probably one last time before we we wait for the combine and stuff like that to hit. Yeah, draft day, combine, that's when college football for us, at least at WFUV, that's when it'll pick back up. But you got to have a special pod when Saban just says, yeah, I'm done. I am finished with football. Nick Saban retiring after 17 years at the helm for the Alabama Crimson Tide. And I want to get right into it, guys. This is a guy, this is a legacy, not just a person, but a legacy that is going to need filling. And Kalen Dubor is the option for the Crimson Tide to best carry on that legacy that Nick Saban left at Alabama and not only left, but created. Obviously you have the infamous Bear Bryant and his legacy. And then ever since then, Alabama never really found that success that they were known to have under Bear Bryant until Nick Saban. So lots of bowl games. He is 19 and 12 in bowl games, most recently losing the Rose Bowl to the eventual national champions this year in Michigan. And I want to talk about that game for a second, because I was definitely very taken back that we got this kind of abrupt announcement of retirement from Nick Saban, especially with his last play 
being a QB, or I should say a Jalen Milrow QB draw up the middle to end their season. I personally didn't think that Saban would go out that way. I thought it would have been a pretty sweet story if he found a way, especially with the kind of team he had at Alabama this year, to get something else done, maybe go out on top. But Merrick, I'll throw it to you first. Your thoughts, just initial reactions on Saban's retirement and maybe even that last play, any thoughts on that, on being the last of Nick Saban that we're ever going to see? Yeah, I'll start with the last play of the game because it kind of just showed a lot of the glaring issues with Alabama in the game between the center who had a nightmare game, couldn't seem to snap the ball to Jalen Milrow if his life depended on it. I know a lot of people online were talking about how the snap could have deterred a potential pass tra- pass play, excuse me, that they had drawn up. I don't think that was the case based off the the way that Milrow ran towards the line, but also it seemed like he had a pathway behind them to the left, but decided to go right on on a number of different fronts. It was, it was kind of a bizarre play, and and especially given that Michigan's defensive line had been really handling business against Alabama's offensive line that whole game, but. On the Nick Saban front, I mean, it's it's really shocking, especially given how this year went, as you were saying, got to the Rose Bowl, where a game away from the national championship, finally got over the hump and, and beat Georgia, who had been dominating college football for the last three years up to that point. And I mean, the the resume is probably the best you'll ever see, 292 career wins. That's that's another reason I was really surprised about it. He's, he's eight wins away from becoming the 15th college coach to reach – 300 wins and and you figured with the way Alabama has been that's easily accomplished next year so it's it's pretty surprising but again he's he's up there in age he's 72 I believe at this point and um I'm not I wouldn't be surprised if he's ready to just retire and lay low or potentially people are rumoring that he could join some college football show whether it's college game day or whatever it is but uh it's definitely be interesting to see what he does from here but a shocking retirement it, yeah, I mean, I, I'm going to go back to that that last play uh, before I touch on Saban's retirement. But I think that it was it was a little un, it was a little odd. But if you if you look at the teams that Saban has had and the quarterbacks that he's had, I mean, the, the way he has always gotten it done is by letting his players go out there and make plays like you've seen. We've seen quarterbacks like Mac Jones, like Tua, like Jalen Hurts, all that played for him. The way they went and they won those games is because he trusted them to go out and make a play. And so in that way, I think that this last play call was kind of Saban's way of putting his trust into Jalen Milrow. I would have liked to see uh, an option to have Milrow use his arm. I mean, we it, it's been rumored like maybe maybe it was a bad snap and he it just took off. But but I do like the fact that, that Saban is putting his trust in Milrow to go win them this game and, and he's putting it all on his team and letting his team go out and play. Now for the retirement, it, it is shocking that he would go out that way. I would I would say calling up a play like that's not surprising, but then losing in the semifinals is kind of a surprising way to go out as one of the best college football coaches of all time, especially when Merrick you mentioned that he's only eight wins away from three hundred. You I would have I would have thought that he would I don't know, maybe go out after a big bowl win or or even a national championship, not a, a semifinal loss to, to Michigan. And so it is it is a bit surprising considering no one was really thinking about this being Saban's last season before the season. But when you look at all the um, wins that he's culminated, all the awards he's won, uh, all the national championships he's won, and his age, it does make a little bit of sense. Now, the the name that pops to my head, guys, just right off the rip is 
Peyton Manning here. And the reason I bring up Peyton Manning is that's a, that's an example of someone, especially in football, that went out at the highest possible level that you can, winning the highest prestige in his respective league. That is the National Football League at the time. He won Super Bowl 50 with the Broncos over the Panthers. You know, thinking of guys that have built legacies such as Peyton Manning, specifically Nick Saban. Yeah, it's a little surprising, but on the flip side of that coin, what else does he have to prove, though? I personally would have liked to see, yeah, I would have loved to see Alabama just, if I knew it was going to be Saban's last go around, yeah, let's see one more out of them. And then we'll uh, we'll let history rewrite the record books in terms of a Saban-less Alabama. But maybe that's just how it was meant to be. He won seven national championships. It really doesn't get much better than that. He appeared in a, a few more than that as well, a handful of losses in those national championship games, all with Alabama, that is, too. But I just see it as maybe this is just how it was written for him. As you said, Merrick, 71, 72 years old. I don't know off the top of my head, but early 70s, yeah, it's it's time to hang it up, and I, I don't really blame him. There's not a whole lot left to say that he's done or to prove whatsoever. But I do want to shift the focus away from Saban because – he does leave quite the star-studded Alabama roster. Now, not so much for this season. The stars really came in that freshman class he brought in, that freshman class being for uh, this past season. Tons of four and five stars. Namely, let's let's mention one, Caleb Downs, a huge defensive back. Into the transfer portal, there was an offensive tackle a few few days ago. He stands at six foot eight. He's over 330 pounds. Another five-star SEC first-team honors, All-American, into the transfer portal immediately. doesn't matter who came in. They signed up for a Nick Saban-led regime. That's not going to happen. And I was reading an article the other day. Uh, we even talked about it, that Alabama has an entire football roster in the transfer portal. There's over 1,300 undergrad students that are NCAA eligible for football that are currently in the transfer portal and Alabama can field an entire team with the amount of guys that are leaving. With that being said, the replacement for Nick Saban, personally, I want to hear your guys' takes as well. It couldn't have been any better. I was also a little taken back at first that it was Kalen Dubor, former Washington Huskies head coach, only in Washington for two years and the kind of guy that wins everywhere. Just 12 collegiate losses to, I believe it's 104 wins that practically every single level that you can play at in college football, starting at NI or NAIAA and moving his way all the way now to leading quite the legacy at Alabama that is Kalen Dubor. Great recruiter by the way, as well. So next season, in my opinion, we'll see a lot of new faces at Alabama. A lot of guys, and when I be my new faces, a lot of guys that are coming from somewhere else to play for Kalen Dubor. We're probably not going to see a whole lot of true Alabama Crimson Tide guys just yet. That's going to take a couple years. But I personally love the hire. I was taken back because I thought that, you know, Alabama and the program, you could think very similarly to how the Patriots dealt with the Gerard Mayo hiring and the Belichick exodus that someone like Gerard Mayo was waiting in the wings at Alabama to be groomed into this position. Alabama said no, and obviously very different kind of game, college football. One thing that Nick Saban pride, uh, prided himself on 
and his program over his 17 years and beyond that was turning these young boys into men in their tenure under him as head coach. And that always stuck with me because in college, that's a huge responsibility to have, especially at the head coaching level. And that's something that Saban really, really hammered home. But that's going to be a little bit of a change now. I, I would imagine that Kalen DeVore's you know, priorities are still the same there if that's who they're going to hire. But recruiting-wise, though, and uh, Brendan, let's go to you first. How is this going to impact Alabama immediately? And more specifically, let's say three, four years down the line. So I think immediately it's, it's going to hurt, obviously. I mean, you have Nick Saban, who's one of the greatest college football coaches ever, who's, who's now gone. And so these play, a lot of these players were coming in with the expectation they were going to play for Saban. I, I don't exactly agree with it because you can't get much a much better replacement than DeBoer. But these players see it. I came to play for Saban. Saban's gone. I want to go play somewhere else. A few years down the line, though, I think people are going to see what, what Caleb DeBoer is able to do. We saw him come into Washington and turn them into a not necessarily bottom tier, but, but not a good football school. And then in, in a few years, he turns them into a team competing for a national championship. And that's all thanks to him and his recruiting, both in the in the portal and with with high school high school football players. And I think that we're gonna actually see that come out at Alabama because if you you look at the difference between Washington and Bama, is that the the caliber of players that are gonna be considering these schools are gonna be a little different. You have all your top recruits in the country, obviously, are gonna be uh, considering and getting offers from Bama, and that's still gonna continue. Uh, because it's, it's, I mean, it's Alabama. They've, they've won plenty of national championships. They, they've had a, a rich history of winning. And I think you add in Kellen uh, DeBoer, who, who has been good at getting recruits to Washington, let alone Bama. I think in a few, a few years down the line, the recruiting is going to come back up to, to almost where it was with Saban. Yeah, I, I, I agree with everything you're saying. I think he's a great hire. As for the the whole uh, hiring from within, I don't know if that's the route to go. I, I feel like in a ideal world, it may have been, but I I believe the, the way this has shaped out, Saban probably felt that there was nobody within the system that was ready for the responsibility of being the head coach of Alabama because it is a huge, enormous weight to have on you. So he I'm sure he had a lot of influence over the hiring process and, and looking at his replacement. So I'm assuming he just felt that there was no one within the system that was ready for that, for that job, because it, it's much different than the NFL situation with Gerard Mayo, because you can learn a lot from a head coach as a defensive coordinator in the NFL in terms of how to run a team, how to, how to get the guys to buy in. But in college, there's so much more to being a head coach than that. It's it's recruiting. It's it's getting to know how to recruit kids, the the proper way to to welcome a family to to Alabama for a weekend if if a player's coming to visit. There's just a lot more to it. But as for Kalen DeBoer, I think he's he's a great hire. I I mean, other than I I was I've been saying I think other than Dan Lanning, he he's one of the top guys because Dan Lanning obviously has ties to Alabama, so that's why he made sense. But he he already said he wants to stay out there with Oregon, but for the recruiting thing, I think it's, it's going to be fine for them. Uh, I think the, the biggest thing is Kalen, Kalen DeBoer's, uh, he's shown that he's, he's very good at at taking advantage of the transfer portal and the way it is, because like 
you were saying, Will, so many, so many student athletes in the transfer portal right now looking for places to go. And I'm sure a ton of them are going to be going from, from Seattle to Tuscaloosa this, this summer, this summer and, and into next season. I, I think he's going to bring a lot of guys with him. You look at two of the main guys on this, this Washington Huskies team this year, Dylan Johnson and Michael Penix, who finished in the Heisman final, finished as a Heisman finalist. And those were two guys that he was able to bring with him over to Washington as, as transfers from other schools. So I think he'll continue to do that. And there's just a, a, a wealth of talent down there in the Southeast in terms of, of young football players coming out of high school compared to other parts of the United States anywhere. It's just a hotbed for talent. And all those guys dream of playing at schools like LSU and of course, in particular, Alabama. So I think, Kalen DeBoer is going to have no problem in terms of recruiting and transfer uh, problems that they have going out because I think he'll be able to easily solve those by bringing some guys in. Using the transfer portal was one of DeBoer's specialties, especially with what you're saying, Merrick. The um, arrival of Michael Penix Jr. to Washington was, you know, it was fantastic for that program. They only lost three games while him and DeBoer were there, including one loss in the national championship. So quite the turnaround that program has seen in just two calendar years under Kalen Dubor and everyone that he's brought in, not just panics, but a lot of other names. I'll throw one out there right now. He was because he's a big name in college football right now, but former Mississippi state quarterback, Will Rogers seen throwing on the sideline of that game was not going to get in. He was a student at Washington for, he was enrolled for two weeks. And then as soon as Dubor decided to go out, to Alabama, Rogers instantly back in the transfer portal. So obviously, a person like Rogers going to play for someone like Kalen DeBoer. That was pretty obvious that that was his motive. He wants to play for a program under someone like DeBoer. He and many others back into the transfer portal and looking to play for a program that is run by a coach like Kalen DeBoer. Before we shift to Pac-12 talk, mainly Washington and what is left for them with the departure of DeBoer. Let's finish up with some overall SEC talk. How does this look for the SEC moving forward? Obviously, you know, you have Kirby down there in Georgia, still, in my opinion, the top dogs, no pun intended, for the SEC. I know Alabama beat them in the SEC championship this year. Everyone knows. But Georgia is still the number one, I would say, even in the country. I would put them over Michigan right now as well if we're doing a mock poll for next season. Georgia's just that good, and they're that good of a program. So where does Alabama, and we'll start with you, Merrick, on this question here. Where does Alabama rank up against teams like Georgia Maybe even LSU, Ole Miss, because the SEC is not changing. It's still going to stay as one of the more dominant, probably the most dominant football conference there is in college sports. So where does Alabama stack up? Let's just go as far out as next year to a team like Georgia. I think that I think they still remain somewhat close to the top. Maybe not. Definitely not. I would say definitely not the top. I, I agree with you that Georgia is number one, but I, I also think that you got to give I think you got to give Texas the edge, even though even though Texas lost to Washington and obviously Kalen DeBoer, which is pretty ironic in this scenario. I think they have a more established situation right now. I know Quinn Ewers is coming back next year. What does that mean for Arch Manning? That's a whole nother question that you have going on. Um, but I think that you have to give them the edge because 
nothing's changing up for them too much. They don't have anyone new coming in other than the new players that they're going to have coming in from high school in the transfer portal. So they're kind of just on the same thing. They've same road they've been on for the past year that got them to the college football playoffs. So, so they'll continue that path. Um, and I think Ole Miss is also a team that you got to talk about because they had a, a pretty good year this year. They had some really good wins, but I think Alabama still edges them out. So, so they probably stand in the, in the third range, probably, probably behind, I think Texas and Georgia, but I'm really interested to see how how the whole conference as a whole is next year. There's a lot of comp- competition now and a lot, a lot of great coaching and, and great recruiting as well. So it's going to be really interesting. I think it's going to be super competitive now that Saban is gone and, and it feels like it's opened up a little bit more now. I feel like we've been expecting Georgia versus Alabama every year, but now you have two new teams coming in. What is Oklahoma going to be able to do? They obviously had a down year, but it, it's going to be a really competitive conference, I think. I'm actually going to agree with you. I'm going to put Bama third in the SEC right now. I think it's a it's a close race between three and four between them and Ole Miss. I think Georgia and Texas take one and two um, in that order. And I think Bama – I'm going to give Bama the edge over Ole Miss. I think despite the amount of players transferring out and the head coaching change, I think that DeBoer is still a very good coach. And I think he's – I'd still – take him over I would uh take Lane Kiffin um and then and then you look at the the talent that Bama has been able to bring in yes they're losing a lot of it but they're still going to retain some they're going to get some players from these uh the shell of a Washington Huskies team that remains and then they're also going to hit they're going to hit the transfer portal they're going to hit uh and get even more high school recruits and I think that the talent will still continue to come it may not be at the in the same amount that you would expect but I think they will still be able to, to bring in talent and put together a, a, a good season. And I think that they'll, they'll beat out Ole Miss uh, by a bit, but I think they're going to, they're going to take a couple of years to, to catch up to, to Georgia and, and even Texas. That conference realignment, something that we have to make sure that we're hammering home as well, because you bring in teams like Oklahoma and Texas too. obviously, as you noted, Merrick, Oklahoma having more of a down season, but still a very good season. They lost to Arizona in the in their bowl game this year but still a very respectable 10 and three record as well as Texas making the college football playoff shout out Brendan Shorey right there. That's his squad. Got to keep an eye on them as well, but loaded talent, obviously with Quinn Euros coming back, another guy coming back and that's Jalen Milrow going back to Alabama for another year for going the draft. I like that move for him. I like that move for Alabama. So the sec already very competitive, ultra competitive, as we all know, and taking a step forward with the acquisitions of Oklahoma and Texas, more competition for DuBois and company in terms of recruiting. But that'll wrap up our SEC talk. A lot of teams, though, that we're mentioning, Oklahoma and this conference realignment, that's going to bring us into the new hire in Washington taking over now for Kalen DuBois. And that's Jed Fish coming over from the University of Arizona, a one-win team in his first season back in 2021. They they were one and eleven in that first season. Then they improved to five and seven. That's a huge step forward. This year, ten and three and a bowl win victory. Fish immediately bounces to the Pac-12. Not going to be the Pac-12 anymore. It's going to be the Big Ten. So a huge, huge opening taken already. And that's Washington, a team and a program that was throwing money to DeBoer to stay. 
it wasn't enough. Obviously, you can't really turn down an Alabama job, but they had something going there. And it's very unfortunate to see it kind of just stripped away after two very promising seasons and not just promising, but very successful seasons, especially where Washington was just three, four years ago. We look at them at just a year or two into the future now. And man, what a two good seasons Kalen DeBoer and Michael Penix had over in Seattle. But that leaves a lot of questions now for Jed Fish and company coming in. And I, um, I got to ask, where do we see Washington now stack up? A lot going on in terms of conference realignment and Washington in the thick of it. So, Brendan, in the Big Ten now, Washington going to have to go cross country. How do you see them recovering from such a brutal loss in Kalen DeBoer? They lose their star, probably one of their program's best ever in Michael Penix, and they have to sit with a national title loss in a game where they probably could have shown a little more life, but Michigan just outplayed them. So where do you see Washington rank and stack up for next season? Well, they're they're definitely not going to be up at the top of the Big Ten. They're not going to be up at the top like Michigan is and Ohio State is, but but I'm not going to put them too far behind. And I think that that is it's mainly because the the hire of Jed Fish was not flashy, but it was a good one. He turned around that Arizona football program in, in three years from a one-win team to a 10-win team with a bull win over a solid Oklahoma team. And so you look at a guy like Jed Fish being brought in, and you would you would think Washington is, as of right now, sort of in a similar position uh, to where Arizona was maybe a year ago, where they they don't have uh, many players, many big players returning, so they're gonna have kind of have to start start uh, over again. And you bring in Jed Fish, who who just did that with Arizona and completely transformed the team. And so I think he'll be able to to get some success out of this Washington team, enough success to to put them from anywhere between the, the middle of the pack and the Big Ten to, to near the top. But I don't think there's any chance they really win the Big Ten. I do think they, they might compete in a few games against teams like Michigan or Ohio State, whoever they play. But I don't think they'll win those games. I think they'll be up near the top. But it's it's ultimately a season to, to kind of rebuild and, and look forward to next season. Uh, no, I think I'm going to start with the negative. Uh, I feel bad for Washington fans. You have such a great year this year. You're you're looking forward to next year and how exciting it can be. And then Kalen DeBoer gets offered a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to be the head coach of Alabama football. And there's a reason the, the athletic director at Washington made a really strong pitch to him to keep him around, making him a really high-paid coach in terms of the hierarchy of college football coaching. But – I'll switch over to the positive because you look at what he was able to do with um with Arizona. That's Jed Fish. I'm talking about um, but he he was able to turn that program around, which is no nowhere near the program that Washington even is. And he he's familiar with recruiting in the West Coast, so so that could be a positive as well. But it's going to be really tough, given that not only are you going to be losing a ton of players and it's and it's a head coach in a new situation, but you're also going into a new conference like you guys have been mentioning. And and it's no joke of a conference when you look at the national champions this year, as well as, of course, Ohio State and even Penn State is always a tough school to play. So it, it's going to be a tough year, I think, for, for Washington, especially given what they'd expected it to be a couple weeks ago. Um, 
But I think that Jed Fish will turn around because he seemed very po- confident in his opening press conference, and he did he did get the support of of some of the current players there at Washington. So at least it seems like he he won't be losing everybody because 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 there's definitely going to be some people on the move. Yeah, you were saying before Merrick, um, before we hopped on, a lot of guys present at that opening press conference at Washington. They have their their new guys back, and I would mention I would venture venture to think excuse me that a lot of those guys probably didn't even know fish before they probably had just met him probably known him for 15 minutes during that press conference so it's good to see a locker room already grabbing towards gravitating towards the school's decision in which they are deciding their new program's leader so lots of movement going on especially with big big name schools and big name coaches the shuffling around here i want to stay in the big 10 let's focus now on some more head coaching and maybe even coordinator coordinator positions open now some news that dropped today bill o'brien now becoming the main offensive play caller the new offensive coordinator for ohio state he's going to leave new england in this kind of like you know clean house mentality that they're having in new england and on the nfl side the Obviously, a good friend of Bill Belichick's, and he had some uh, did a couple years as the head coach in uh, with Penn State, and a lot of experience with the Houston Texans as well. But definitely a huge upgrade in terms of offensive prowess for an Ohio State team that hasn't beat Michigan since Ryan Day took over. So the Big Ten, a lot of different. Moves coming around. We'll get into Harbaugh in just a second, but I want to get your guys' initial thoughts on Bill O'Brien heading to Ohio State as the offensive coordinator. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a good move. He he has some experience both in the NFL and and as well as college at, at the offensive coordinator position. He obviously was the offensive coordinator a couple of years ago with Alabama when Devontae Smith won his Heisman Trophy. So he's got some experience with with some really strong talent, and he will be having that once again with in Ohio State with obviously the number one recruit in the country coming in there to play wide receiver. So that's always going to be uh, an interesting situation when you look at what he did in Alabama with Devontae Smith. I think it's a good hire for them. Maybe not, he he may not be the best head coach. I think we've learned that over over the years, but he's definitely a very a very strong coordinator, especially at the college level. Yeah, I'm gonna agree. I think it's a I think it's a good hire by Ohio State, especially when you when you look at the last few matchups and and Michigan has just outgunned them every time. And so going out and and getting a guy from the the next level who who has shown some success as as a coordinator up there. And bringing him back down to the college level, I think that's gonna it's gonna work it's gonna work wonders for this Ohio State offense, especially whenever they come against uh, come up into big games against teams like Michigan. So I think I think it's a great hire by Ohio State. So sticking in the Big Ten, one more big coaching note for this special college football head coaching and just coaching in general emergency pod here on College Gridiron. Jim Harbaugh, obviously, a name circulating around NFL coaching positions for quite some time now, especially with the work that he's done at Michigan over the last three or four years or so. Now this really being the icing on the cake, as he said, he can join his family at the table now in terms of champions, obviously his brother, Jim beating him in the Super Bowl just 10 years ago when John, excuse me, John beat him. John beat Jim in the Super Bowl when 
uh, John was the head coach of the 49ers. Now an opportunity for, I had it all backwards. When Jim was the head coach of the 49ers, John still the head coach of the champion Baltimore Ravens from that Super Bowl, looking to do it again this year. But Harbo, a lot of decisions to make. The Chargers, the Falcons, two options that are, you know, they look pretty good for someone like Jim Harbo. I would personally go for the Los Angeles job if I were him. But, you know, Vegas was an option until Antonio Pierce inked his new head coaching deal. But I have to say, guys, and agree or disagree, wherever Harbaugh goes, there's got to be some connection to Michigan and through the draft, whether that be if he goes to L.A., he's already got Herbert. So there's no need to bring McCarthy with him. Look at a guy like Blake Corum, Austin Eckler getting old, going to have to pay, pay him more money as well. So a lot of options if you're Jim Harbaugh. I just want to ask, and I'll start with you, Brendan. Where does Jim Harbaugh end up? Does he go to the NFL? Does he stay with Michigan? And what do you think he should do? I think he he does. What I think he does and what I think he should do are the same, and I think he'll end up in the NFL. I think he's, he's had a great college career as a head coach, um, but you look at everything that's happening right now between the, the ongoing investigation and a lot of his, his key starters declaring for the draft, like McCarthy and Corum. And now is a, as good a time as ever. If you want to go to the NFL, it's going to be now. And so I think he will go to the NFL. And I honestly think that he's going to end up with the Falcons. I think the Falcons are a better fit than the Chargers for him. I think there's a chance he brings McCarthy with him to Atlanta. That, that's what they're missing in there is a, is a quarterback. And so I think there's a good chance he goes down to Atlanta and, and takes over there and, and has himself a, a job as a head coach in the NFL. Yeah, I think he I think he goes to LA for the reason being Justin Herbert. And I I believe that he really wants to win a Super Bowl. He he obviously lost to his brother back in uh back in the Super Bowl with the Ravens and the 49ers. And he accomplished all he wanted to accomplish at Michigan as a head coach. So I don't see why he would go back. He he turned the program around to start beating Ohio state. It's obviously been three years at this point in a row that Michigan has won the matchup and he got a national championship. I think that's the main goal he had. So I think he ends up in LA because he'll be with Justin Herbert. He can have his quickest path to the NFL playoffs. If the chargers play well throughout the year and, and one could argue with competent coaching this year, that roster is good enough to make a playoff run. It's just kind of the charger curse, but I think Harbaugh could really turn that franchise around, especially if you give him a guy like Justin Herbert, who's so skilled. The Chargers, definitely a situation where they're kind of underperforming. They need that leadership at the top. Harbaugh could be the answer there, especially with the weapons that he could bring through the draft via Michigan. Now, that's pretty much all we have for you on this emergency college gridiron. Lots of head coaching and coordinator shuffles. As soon as we said those three zeros dropped on the national championship game, the transfer portal went crazy. Head coaching positions were opening. And just like that, the door is now open for this new 2024-2025 college football season. It's going to be a monster one, especially with all of the new conference realignments, the expansion of the college football playoffs going from four teams to 12. College football is just becoming more and more exciting by the day. Lots of new stuff to look forward to. Lots of old going out and new coming in. Love the change. It's going to be very exciting. Kalen Dubor, he's going to do wonders down in Alabama. Very excited to see what Alabama looks like 
a year from today. But that's going to do it here on College Gridiron for this emergency head coaching podcast. For Merrick Rhodes and Brendan Shorey, I'm Will Town. Thank you, Evan Harkin, for producing this one, and we will see you in the next one. Thank you.